Peace of Christ be with you. As we settle into this place, give yourself about three deep breaths that your awareness might expand to recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit and so that you might be held by this house of prayer. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Yours is the true way of power. Yours is the essence at the heart of all things. We stand in honor for the good shepherd. We stand in solidarity.
may be seated. I do want to welcome you here to Westminster. It is great to be worshiping together on this Sunday morning. If you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. After worship, I do invite you, whether you are a visitor or a regular attender, to join us in our Finley Hall for our Christmas fair. A little bit more about that later, but a wonderful opportunity to support several different nonprofit organizations in our area and in our country. Let's join together now in our community prayer. It's printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. God, we can be so tempted by worldly power. We can sow seeds of division to further our own agendas. We can create disruption and seek to fill voids of power left in its wake. We slow down today to remind ourselves that Christ is at the heart of every moment. Christ in power and vulnerability, in love and compassion, is the truth, the way, and the life. We rededicate ourselves to oneness we know in Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, know that we do not worship a God who is distant. Instead, we worship a God who is with us always, a God who loves us and forgives us and reminds us that in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We are set free. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now I'd like to invite any of the children who are worshiping with us to come join me here at the front. Good morning. Good to see you all today. I don't know about you, but I lately have been thinking a lot about Thanksgiving. It is coming up on Thursday. Perhaps one of my most favorite holidays is it's all about gratitude and all about giving thanks. And while I was thinking about the upcoming holiday, I thought about this book. It's called Come With Me. I'm not actually going to read it to you, but I want to tell you about it. It's about this girl here who you know, listens to the news sometimes or you know, hears the adults in her life talking. And she kind of gets kind of down about what's going on in the world. She hears about sometimes people not treating each other very nicely or just things that, that, that kind of make her down about some difficult things happening in the world. And so she tells her parents about this, and her dad says, come with me. And what they do, I want to show you the picture, is they actually, they must live in maybe New York or something, but they go to the subway. And what her dad encourages her to do as they ride the subway, they're, they're standing waiting for the subway, then they're on the subway train. What her dad encourages her to do is just to look around and to notice and to see maybe she might notice people being kind to each other. Maybe someone giving up a seat on the subway for someone else who really needs to sit down. He said, yeah, sometimes you hear about a lot of difficult things going on in the world, but maybe look around and see all the wonderful, great, kind things going on. And then the next day, her mom takes her out and does the same thing. She says, come with me. Let's just look around our neighborhood. So they walk around the neighborhood to all the stores, the market selling different things. There they are at, ooh, that looks like a pastry shop, yum. Um, and her mom encourages her too, so just look around. See if you can notice signs of people being loving or being kind to one another. And then the next day, she goes out with a friend of hers. There they are. She's going to walk her dog. They're getting ready to go. And you know what they do? They go to a park, and they start making some chalk drawings of beautiful things. They draw some hearts. They draw some flowers. And then... A few people start to join them, drawing more you know, plants and animals and hearts and flowers, and more and more people start to join them. And all of a sudden, they have this beautiful chalk mural of all of these 
wonderful and amazing things. So I thought about this book as I thought about Thanksgiving because what I hope to do this week is to just notice around me. Notice things that I'm thankful for, that I'm grateful for. Notice moments of love and kindness and people being in good relationship with each other and give thanks because there are lots of those moments in life. And maybe you might do the same thing as you move about your life this week. Take a notice of all that you might be grateful and thankful for that's around you. All right, so you're going to head off to Sunday school. If you are in, hold on, don't leave yet. If you're in second grade or younger, I see Sandra back there ready, ready for you. If you are in third through fifth grade, I see Rob right there. He's ready for you. And finally, I know there's some middle schoolers out there. You all are going to meet upstairs if you're in middle school because you have a special project you're working on today. All right? Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. Now we time, come to our time of prayer together when we share with each other our joys and concerns, what's going on in our life. And since this is Thanksgiving week, I thought maybe let's start with sharing our joys Sharing our, sharing our thanksgivings this week. So if anyone has a joy they would like to share in prayer, I just invite you to let us know. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, excellent. So dad's celebrating 71st birthday and celebrating just a couple weeks ago, he found out that he is now cancer-free. Others? Other joys to share? Yeah, Ruthie. Thankful for the opportunity to travel home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Just uh, always do that. Mm-hmm. To visit family and people who have been helped out here this year. So yeah. Yeah, grateful for the chance to travel home for Thanksgiving. Not always an opportunity you have. And to visit some family members who've had some health challenges, but it will be good to be together. Yeah. Others? Yeah, Lucy. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's good to have you with us, James. A joy for a son visiting for the holidays. I'm sure I I see a few folks out there who are visiting with us for the holidays. It's it's good to have you all with us today. Yeah. And and now uh, concerns. Certainly those are a part of our life as well. If you have something that you'd like to share with us in prayer, let us know. Yeah, Pat. Yeah, a cousin who recently had a heart attack and a stroke, you said, and struggling with some medical issues. Yeah. Others that you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, mm. Absolutely. So prayers for a sister whose who's pet died yesterday. And that's such an important part of our lives. No doubt about it. So prayers for your family. Absolutely. Yeah, Valerie. Yeah, so one of your best friends whose mom died unexpectedly. Yeah, yeah Nancy. Absolutely. So prayers for the election going on in Hong Kong right now. Nancy, it sounded like specifically prayers for peace for that for that country. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so prayers for a friend, infant son had a brain tumor. So prayers for that family. Yeah. All right, I think Rob has one to share with us. Uh, yes, uh, a sad announcement from our perspective. There's really no avoiding that. But our, our beloved and incredibly talented accompanist, Ala Artemova, will be leaving us at the end of the year. I wanted to do that in worship rather than a letter so she could hear that. 
because you should know how we feel about you and how much we appreciate your gift and uh, your spirit and all you bring to this ministry. Allah's husband got a job in Austin, Texas, and so she will be obviously bringing the whole family to be there. And we trust in probably not too much time you'll be also sharing your gift of music with some very lucky community down there. But Allah's been with us for 13 years. Last Sunday with us will be uh, January 5th, so we have a little bit of time uh, to say goodbye, and we will make sure we do a, a celebration on that Sunday so we can uh, send her off uh, when we're more used to the idea than we are now. In the meantime, and we'll give you more details on this in the coming weeks, if you would like to make a, a, a gift, a cash gift in, in gratitude, uh, for her ministry here. We'll be collecting those. We won't process them, but we will c- collect them and hold them if you'd like us to to be given to her on the last day, or you can simply bring that on the last day. But we'll, we'll say more about that in the weeks to come. But we wanted to share that uh, in the context of worship. So as we certainly hold all of our joys and concerns, let's have just a couple moments of quiet, and then I'll lead us in the Lord's Prayer. So let's be in prayer together. Holy God, you are the one who forms the rhythms of our lives, the one who is present in the beginning and ending of each day, of each season, and all the times in between. And hear us now, O God, as together we pray the prayer Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven,
Today's first scripture reading is Colossians chapter 1 verses 11 to 20. Listen to what the script listen to what the spirit is saying to us. May you be strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The second reading comes from the prophet Jeremiah, the 23rd chapter, the first six verses. Continue to listen for what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds, Who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock, have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and this one shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his day, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety, and this is the name by which this one will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Friends, this too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. A former Presbyterian pastor once shared with me his leadership style. He said, when I was working in the church, what I tried to do is at any one time maintain a certain balance whereby half the congregation loved me and the, and the other half the congregation was dying to get rid of me. Surprisingly, they don't teach you this tactic in seminary. Uh, but it gets, I mean, he was very proud of this nugget of <clears throat> wisdom. Uh, But it gets better because he said, and then what I do is about every two years, I try to get the two halves to flip. (laughs) You'll notice I described him as a former pastor, not a retired pastor. Uh, His ministry was rather brief. I think in our laughter, we can recognize what is ridiculous about that leadership style. That division is no proper end goal. It is sometimes a byproduct of standing up for what's right, 
of advocating for something that is good and true and just, and it leads to division. But we all recognize that division bears a price, and so it better be worth it. But it never, ever is the goal. Contrast the experience I had with that, thankfully, former pastor with one I had at a Marin Interfaith Council fundraiser I attended recently. A woman approached me who was there on behalf of the Green Gulch Zen Center. She recognized me from a funeral I'd done a while back for a prominent community member, and we struck up a conversation. And somehow we must have, I don't know, gotten to just some of the the difficulties of this day, of these moments. And she got really animated, but in a way only somebody very grounded spiritually can do because she remained entirely peaceful even though she was worked up. It was kind of a miracle, actually. (laughs) But the source of her energy was her conviction that spiritual people, that religious people, and the leaders who lead them need to be about the project of staying deeply grounded in sacred practice and in sacred wisdom and sacred teachings. Not so that we could excuse ourselves from the world and the struggles that it's requiring or asking of us in these moments, but rather that we could engage in them with a different presence, a different spirit, so we could sit in contested spaces and hold ourselves differently. She was adamant about this being our calling as religious people. The conversation, interestingly, you might think it was all religious and spiritual, given our setting and our identities as uh, religious people, but it really didn't use religious language. In fact, most of what she said uh, came out of a vocabulary of neuroscience or biology as she talked about how we relate as organisms and how we can affect each other and those in our proximity simply by how we carry ourselves. And even more than that, she spoke of us not simply as deeply connected organisms, but actually as making up a larger unified whole, one body, you could say. Now, before you dismiss this as out there and, oh, here we go, we're in Marin again with New Age spirituality, recall the language the Apostle Paul used. His dominant metaphor for the people of God was what? A body. A single, unified body. And what this woman was trying to say to me is how we show up affects the body. If you, if you come seeking growth and, and healing for the community, then it, what likely will yield is health. If you come up toting hostility and unhealed rage, then you will likely do damage not to your enemy alone, but you'll poison the body that you share. And so there's a deeper calling for us to recognize a oneness that is at the heart of all things. Now, it's important not to confuse this with neutrality, standing for nothing, being about nothing, doing nothing, just letting everything unfold. I don't think that's what she was calling for. That has sort of seeped its way into a lot of religion these days. It's just about being sort of generically nice. No, she was calling for something much deeper. Not neutrality, but what I will call, and others refer to as non-duality. And you'll see a discussion of that on the cover of your bulletin of what that means. But there's a big difference We know what neutrality is. I described it a a moment ago. Non-duality holds to convictions. You may be deeply rooted in certain values and what you care about, but what you refuse to do is give in to the temptation, as the woman described to me, to bifurcate, create camps of clearly identifiable good and evil, to build up the notion that there is an other that is distinct from me. Non-duality literally means there is not two. There is only one. There is only one. There is not two. Another way of putting it is that neutrality is sitting on the sidelines and throwing your hands up. 
non-duality is refusing to accept the construct that there are two teams. It's a very different way of thinking about it. This imagery, this notion, sort of casts light new ways on what the prophet Jeremiah may be getting at in his not-so-subtle metaphor of the shepherd. Woe to the shepherds who scatter and destroy my flock. Jeremiah is dealing with the leaders of his time who have understood only half of their vocation as shepherds. They've got the stick end of the crook down really well, but they've forgotten that their job is to tend the flock, not to cut it up. They've forgotten the hook end of the shepherd's crook, the part that's used to gather in and keep the flock together. And Jeremiah has harsh words for those leaders. God says that God will hold them accountable for the way they have led, but God says something even greater, that in the meantime, I will restore the flock that has been severed myself. And I will raise up shepherds, leaders, who will understand their vocation more deeply. This is where the language in Jeremiah shifts from a pastoral one to a uh, one of rulership. So Jeremiah then speaks of kings, which is interesting in light of today, which we call Christ the King Sunday or the reign of Christ Sunday, because we don't really like monarchy talk or patriarchy talk because as Christians what we profess is we see the full realization of Jeremiah's dream manifested in the person of Jesus Christ that's the one who we recognize as the king of course Jesus does not look like the kinds of kings we've come to expect his rule looks very differently he doesn't conquer violently in take over. He doesn't rule from a place of power that he wants to demonstrate all the time. He doesn't govern through fear by showing how much suffering he could inflict if you fall out of line. Jesus is the opposite of all those things. He wins people over with radical love and unexplainable grace. He empties himself of all power and privilege And he governs through solidarity, especially with the least of these, but really with everyone. And his main demonstration is to show you how much suffering he can endure rather than resorting to violence. Jesus, as king, if you want to use that term, shows us he knows very well the other side of the shepherd's crook, the hook that gathers in those who are lost and left behind, those who are injured and can't keep up, and also those who have abused their power. He's happy to welcome them back in the fold as long as they're ready to change their ways. He doesn't show partiality there in that sense. Now, Jesus is not neutral, but what he is is non-dual. For he refuses to deny what theologians call the imago Dei, fancy Latin, just means the image of God in the other. He refuses to accept that even in those he opposes, and he opposes many. I mean, we don't like to read the Bible that way. We prefer to read it as sort of like a hallmark card of love letters. But you could also conceive of the Gospels as a long list of those Jesus opposes, and it's long. Right? One after another after another. But he refuses to demean them or to dehumanize them or to recognize them as fundamentally other. He pulls no punches in warning them about what their actions will uh, lead to in terms of God's accountability. But he refuses to take that judgment on as his project. And he leaves that to God. I mean, think of it. He's being crucified. And what does he say when he's faced with his executioners? They don't know what they're doing. So just forgive them. They don't know. It's him saying in so many words, 
they've forgotten that I'm a, a part of them, but I haven't forgotten that they're a part of me. Jesus refuses to forget that and everything he does and invites us to do likewise. When he says, love your enemy, I'm not the first to point out, he assumes you're going to have some. But what he does with, what he does with them is what makes him different. He refuses to separate himself from them as if there is an actual separation. He's non-dual. Remember, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. We often hear that wrong. We hear that as, love your neighbor as much as yourself. But that's not what he says. It's as yourself. Because what he's saying is your neighbor is an extension of yourself. And you are an extension of your neighbor. There is no two. There is only one. This is where Colossians comes up with that image uh, and that gorgeous imagery that was so beautifully read earlier. It's downright poetic, speaking of that. That in Christ, all things hold together. Not just all peoples, but all things. The language is intentional. It's a cosmic coming together that's all held by this uh, being, force, spirit, energy. You pick your language. It's all held together in Christ. And the ancients understood this in a deep way, and I think we've lost it a little bit. In fact, you can look at old maps, and I'm going to show you one in a moment that illustrates this. And it sort of combines, uh, in their cartography, they combine their geography with their theology. Okay, And this is what I mean by that. This is called the Ebstorf map. I know it's a little small. It's as big as I could get it, but I'll explain it to you best I can, and you're welcome to look it up later, or you can come up and look at it after the service. This is all creation. This is, uh, this is made in the Middle Ages. Okay? It doesn't look like it. You don't see oceans and whatnot, but you see villages and prominent cities there. But there are four things that you may not be able to see from where you're sitting, but I'll point them out to you. At the top of the globe... They weren't flat earthers, by the way. There was never any proof that there was widespread belief the earth was flat until the NBA came along. But, so they understood the, the, the roundness here, too. At the very top of the map, what is this? This is the head of Jesus Christ. And you see what's at the bottom pole? These are the feet of Christ. This is a hand of Christ. And on the other side is a hand of Christ. They understood profoundly that all things are held together in the body of Christ. And that shapes everything. Because then no matter what you're showing up to do or be about or take on, you have to recognize that it's all happening within the body of our Lord and Savior Christ. And you don't, lead, you don't end up with a whole body if you take as your whole approach lopping off pieces of it when you don't like them. Instead, what you do is you show up in whatever way you have to show up with the end goal of keeping it all together. Because there is no outside of that body. There is no other. There is no two. There is only one. That's what the woman was trying to convey to me, the woman from Green Gulch. And that if we could just see it, it would shape the way we show up differently. See it not, I mean, put aside in the difficult people, put aside that for a second. Even if we could see it in the situations that are ripe for healing. A doctor detailed his encounter with an eager medical student. The medical student shadowing me looks over my clinic schedule, he recounted. She sighs exaggeratedly. Dr. T, your youngest, patient, your youngest patient today is 70. 
don't you get tired of only seeing older patients? I look down at my patient list and smile. I don't see what she sees. Carl. At first glance, you might find Carl a bit intimidating. Gruff and with a jaw that stubbornly juts out as if daring you to try him, he seems perpetually irritated. But Carl runs a dance studio, and he still dances every day at 70. And when he smiles, the sun shines for him. Gladys. Gladys shows me a photograph. She seems proud, and I regard it carefully. It's a black and white shot of a concert. A young singer has his back to the camera. The rest is a sea of screaming fans. A young Gladys is in the front row, clearly visible. The singer, Elvis. John and Lucy. John and Lucy always come to their appointments together. Sitting beside each other, they hold hands. Every single appointment. I'm always moved by how quiet each one of them is when it's the other one's turn. They've been married for 60 years. And Jolly brings me food without fail. All sorts of delicious desserts that she cooks herself. I once tried to refuse. I'm trying to lose weight. But she looked like she would cry. Her husband explains their son died in a car accident years ago, and she used to cook for him. Howard can barely hear me. Every single visit, he apologizes for being almost deaf and says, I lost most of my hearing in the war. He has a photo in his wallet of him in military uniform. I ask him how he won the medals he's wearing. He grins. I kept my head down. <laughs> Alma has an amazing knack for gardening. I look forward to her appointment so I can learn more about what's in season in South Texas this time of year. We discuss how therapeutic it is to watch a plant sprout. Her secret? Love. Everything needs love to grow. Steve plays tennis almost every day. He's in his late 70s, and one day, finally, I have to suggest that he start toning it down. I'm worried about dehydration. He says he understands he'll tone it down, he promises. Then he starts walking his dogs four miles a day. <laughs> Mike is one of the kindest human beings I've ever met. He brings my entire office staff a bouquet of red and white roses every single visit. His smile is gentle. His eyes are kind. He asks me how I'm doing at the beginning of every appointment and really wants to know. One day, Mike doesn't show up for his appointment. I know something's wrong when his wife sends us a bouquet of red and white roses and a note. Mike passed away in his sleep. It was peaceful. He loved you and your office staff very much. Thank you. My heart is broken. Don't you want to see young patients? Isn't it rough seeing old people on so many meds with so many medical problems all the time? I look up from my patient list and my reverie to respond. This is a privilege. My student doesn't seem to understand. Someday, she will. Someday she will see the other for who they are. How about us? Amen.
Amen. You may be seated. I do hope you'll take a look at the announcements in the bulletin that list all of the upcoming activities here in the life of the church. Just to highlight a couple for you, you may notice in the pews, this poinsettia order form will have some beautiful poinsettias during our Advent and Christmas season. If you would like to purchase one in honor or in memory of someone, you may do this using this slip. You can either put this in a check into an offering plate in a future Sunday, or you could mail it into the church, whatever's easiest for you, if you're interested in doing that. Earlier, I mentioned our Christmas fair. Um, This is the second of two weeks um, where you're invited to go, and many of the organizations here at our church um, have chosen a nonprofit to sponsor. Um, And you can go around, you can learn a little bit about each of those nonprofits, and you can decide if you want to buy some gifts for your friends and family members that that honor one of the nonprofit organizations. And finally, every Thanksgiving, uh, Westminster offers a meal to the residents of Voyager Carmel. Um, It's a residence in San Rafael uh, for adults with some developmental difficulties. Um, And there are still quite a few slots available for Thanksgiving. So if you're going to be in town, why not cook two turkeys instead of one, right? So Randy Heiser is organizing that. There's many different food items you might provide, um, but see him out um, in the narthex as you leave if you are available to help provide for that meal. And I think he's also on Thanksgiving Day uh, looking for a couple people to help serve as well. So see him out there for that. And with that, I invite you to stand as you are comfortable for our closing hymn. It's number 274. Forgive me for not greeting you at the door. I I particularly like to greet newcomers, visitors, or folks back after being away at college or wherever, but uh, we have a plane to catch, and so I have to get to the airport. But do come back if this is your first time so we can get to know you better 
in the weeks to come. On this reign of Christ Sunday, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and who is Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with us this day, be with us every day. Amen. Thank you.